accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to our DS9 run-through. We are up to episode 5 of season 2. It's called Cardassians. This one aired on the 24th of October, 1993. It was written by James Crocker. Story credit goes to Gene Willand and John Wright. It was directed by Cliff Bull. In this episode, Garrick and Dr. Bashir investigate abandoned Cardassian war orphans on Bajor. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? Welcome back. Uh, good. I was a little bit disappointed because I got excited that this was going to be some sort of uh, werewolf episode, judging by the cold open, but that clearly did not happen. No, no, no werewolves. Uh, I, I thought it was maybe like a Bajoran kid who uh, turns into a Cardassian every time the full moon comes out or something, the way that he was biting people. Yep, yeah, you have to, yeah, when did I say this? Oh, it actually aired 24th of October, so you're only a week away from Halloween, so we we're almost at that point. I think they missed an opportunity. Yeah. It was it's, well. I don't want to spoil things for the next episode where there's a werewolf running around. But what we'll, uh, we're talking? Yeah, we're talking about the Cardassians. We will take a break. I'm going to play an audio clip. Me and Clay are going to come back and we're going to break down Cardassians. My parents follow the teachings of the prophets. What do you think of Cardassians? Me? Well, I I can't say really. Why not? Well, you, you can't judge a whole race of people. I mean, you can't hate all Cardassians or all Klingons or all humans. I've met some Cardassians I didn't like. And I've met some I did. Like you. Right, Clay, so I think that this one might be one of the most surprising episodes to me that I've seen so far of the show. Um... And I won't say that with revealing anything that I think about the quality of it. But this is a uh, you have never met Garrick before. He's been in one episode. So this is his return to the show. Um, Cardassians is the first episode since Emissary where Gul Dukat has returned in the flesh to the show. He's usually on a view screen prior to this. Mm -hmm. And this is the first mention that the station used to be called Tarek Noor when it was run by the Cardassians. Um yeah, this is the one where there is a whole bunch of Cardassian war orphans on Bajor. One of them comes onto the station. Garrick runs into him. Uh, he gets attacked. He gets bitten by the kid. And it's revealed that the Bajorans have been taking care of this kid. But he's in a sort of weird situation because he lives on Bajor. And everyone is very unkind to him because of what the Cardassians did. His real father is revealed. And there's some machinations. And then it's resolved with an ending that the kid goes back to Cardassia. Um, I don't know if you watched Suddenly Human with us. That was a TNG episode where it was basically the same kind of a plot where the Enterprise finds a human child who had been sort of abducted by Tolarians, I think, and it was raised by Tolarians, and they didn't know whether or not they should return him to Earth or send him back with his Tolarian father. And they send him back with the alien father at the very end I, instead I of sending don't him. Think so. Yeah, I, I don't think you were on that one. This one's very similar. But what did you think of Cardassians? Um, I liked it. Um, <clears throat> I think I found the plot a little difficult to follow at certain points. Uh, because from the, uh, Garrick and Bashir plot line, it was a lot of like, 
going places and then Garrick sort of like wryly smiling and then they just would kind of cut away and not really give you much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but once they got to the end and they kind of, ex- you know, explained it a little bit more, I, I thought, oh, that's that's really interesting. That's a, uh, that's a, a very uh, devious tactic taken by uh, Ducat to... Um, discredit. It's, I mean, that, that's a long con. It is a long. It's a, it's a <laughs> long con. <laughs> we can break down. Uh, we can break down the longness of that con. But I, I sort of agree with you that it's a. To me, I, I I watched the episode last night, and I was kind of falling asleep as I was watching it in bed. And mm-hmm. so I, when I, I made it all the way through, but I definitely dozed off in different places. And then I, <laughs> I, I. I, I I ended up going to bed thinking that was not a very good episode. So I, I rewatched it this morning because I thought I might miss something. I think that the first 30 minutes of this episode are really fantastic and I really mm-hmm. like it. I think it kind of falls apart at the end with the last 10 minutes where they try to resolve all of that Ducat stuff. And it, it's funny to me because the first 30 minutes to me feel very unique for this show and, and Star Trek in particular. It's a very it's a very subtle episode in a lot of mm. ways. Even the performances mm-hmm. are very subtle. The way Cisco act is uh portrayed in this one, he's very understated and very quiet yet intense at the same time. And uh Ducat is excellent, Garrick is excellent. I think all of the 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 sort of problems with what this kid has faced growing up is probably one of the sort of more interesting angles on this story that they've taken to this point i i really just have a problem with the the last 10 minutes how it's all resolved as if they're sitting in an aa meeting with each other yeah. like <laughs> sitting, sitting in a circle i don't really like that and i was wondering you seem to like the ducat machinations i was wondering if the sh- uh, the episode i thought it might be in a little bit better if they got rid of some of that and made it less complicated yeah i would agree i mean once they explained it i thought it was an interesting idea um and was a uh, like I said, it was a long game on Ducat's point, but it was it was a, it was an interesting kind of uh, attempt. But I do I think I think they're trying to do too much in this episode a little bit. Yeah, um, because the stuff with uh, Rugal and just the identity stuff there, I found really interesting. Uh, and yeah, I don't I don't know if it necessarily needed so much. Uh, um, you know, political intrigue to tie it together. I don't know. It's 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 a tough yeah. it's a tough call because it's like I feel like without that it be it would have to be a completely different episode. Like you'd really have to lean into some some stuff more. Well, I thought that it uh, it kind of reminded me of maybe in a weird way the problems that we've had with Discovery because mm-hmm. it felt to me like they had the idea for this very dramatic sort of introspective episode, and then they're like, you know what? To really make this a standalone app, we got to have a little bit of a mystery in there. Like we got to, yeah. we got to punch this up a little bit because it can't stand on its own as an episodic episode without this sort of dramatic reveal at the very end that right, this right. has all been happening. And in my opinion, the reveal takes away from the stronger point, which is Rugal's struggle and like what mm. the right thing to do is at the very end, and yeah. it turns it into just a political sort of thriller thing, which doesn't even work for me because. This is a long con on Ducat's part, right? Like he's about yes. to ruin his political opponent's life and they don't even talk to each other after the reveal is done. Like those two Cardassians never interact with each other in that scene. Mm-hmm. And it's very weird that they don't do that. Yeah. And after that scene, you know, basically that scene, I I didn't find it satisfying 
dramatically as much as I found it satisfying that they were just telling me what, what was going on. Sure. Yeah. Um, and what I found really interesting dramatically, which kind of caught me off guard a little bit, was the scene directly after that <clears throat> where Cisco is uh, entering, uh, doing his log entry talking about how he decided to send Rugal back to Cardassia. Yeah. And they don't spend any time with that at all. It's just like that's what he decided to do, and then he's gone, and it's like, well, well, hopefully he'll be fine. And then they cut to Bashir and, you know, Garrick having a, a drink or whatever. Yes. Like, I found that decision, I mean, maybe, <laughs> I don't know how many times you can have an episode of Deep Space Nine where it revolves around Cisco having to make a, a, a hard decision. It seems like they do it quite often. Yeah. But um, that seemed more interesting to me, The if they had lost the you know, political mind games kind of thing and focused and had the, the episode be a split between um, Rugal's story directly and Cisco having to be the arbiter and make the decision of where to send him. I think, I think, I, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like that would have been more interesting overall. Yes, I agree. That's, that's basically what Suddenly Human and TNG did. So I don't know if yeah, they were scared yeah. of repeating that story, but to me... It's problematic because do you agree with Cisco's decision at the end? Oh God. I I don't know. Um I see because I think that the, the episode did a really good job of making you unsure what the right thing to do was. So yeah. it, it's weird to me that they waste a lot of time with the mock the political stuff at the end, as opposed to Cisco has a very tough choice in front of him here. And the episode ends oddly because I think the episode think th thinks it's a happy ending on some level. And it, to me, Rugal going back to Cardassia almost seems like a punishment to Rugal. Like, Rugal should not be happy with this thing that's going to happen at the very end. And I don't know if they sell that enough. Yeah, well, it feels like a very... Um, it honestly feels like a realistic ending. Yeah. Like, it feels like it feels like a... If, if you were to take this case to, you know, United States court. I feel like this is that's the the, rea the that's the outcome you would probably get. And it's not satisfying and it's I don't know if you could if you can really say that it's the right outcome, but it's not necessarily the wrong outcome, it's just a matter of point of view or, you know, what kind of uh man uh guidelines you're 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 going by. Um but yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's it's a fascinating conundrum to be in because if you get to look at it specifically through Cisco's point of view, you've got the the decision he makes feels like the right decision from the governmental standpoint, like the Starfleet standpoint. Yeah, it feels a very the right bureaucratic decision. To yes, make. Yeah, yeah, bureaucratic is the word I was looking for. Um, but. I don't know if that's the personal decision that Cisco would have made, but we never get to see him really kind of wrestle with that. No, he doesn't. And yeah. I think that would have been uh, a more engaging way do, to do, go with it. Do you put any stock into the uh, abuse angle on the Bajoran side? Like, what what do you think? What do you think has happened to Rugal? Are, are his parents abusive? We have that odd scene where uh, Bashir talks to that other guy who was in the cafe when he's playing. Um, Dabo, and yeah. he he sort of says like, what, "What's what's your opinion of the family?" And he says, "Well, 
you know, I, I don't want to get involved, but that kid's been through pretty hard times with them. And they they hate Cardassians and they kind of hate him. And I think he implies something about their revenge on the Cardassians was to take that kid in. Yeah, so, basically to treat him like shit is revenge for yeah, yeah their treatment. So so what what's your what's your take on what was actually going on with the Bajoran parents, if anything? Or do you I, think it's a weakness of the episode that we don't know? I think it's a weakness of the episode that they don't really. I, I think that plot thread was was weak uh, because they don't play that up at all. And like there was, I did not think for a second that the parents were being mean to that kid yeah. because the, the way that the kid reacts to being having to leave the parents, it, like there was no gray area whatsoever in his actions, his reaction towards the parents. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think it could have been a. a, a an interesting way to um, expand the story if you were focusing a little bit more on uh, just the the base story of the of of, of Rugal, yeah. But they just choose not to. I mean, I guess I, it makes sense to me that someone would say that because, like, I feel like that's the when you have a when you have a story like this, that seems to be the the thing at the top of the list of like plot points that you could explore. Is like, oh well, maybe nobody knows who if this kid is, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it seems like that was probably on the note cards, but they just, so they threw it into the episode, but they just didn't follow that thread anywhere. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's kind of a shame of the episode because I like that aspect of it. Like if those parents were like, even, I guess it still sort of works because even if you say that the parents aren't abusive, he's clearly grown up in like a mentally abusive environment with the other Bajorans. Um, Mm -hmm. Because he's he's self-loathing on some level. Like he hates he hates the fact that he is a Cardassian, and you know he's he slanders the Cardassians every chance he gets. Uh, being a Cardassian, a young kid, he seems very sad about everything. So, I, I think it still works that he was leaving him there was bad because he was sort of mentally abused by growing up this way, sort of an, an mm-hmm. underclass. In, a, in 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 an odd way, it's almost a reversal of the Cardassian occupation. Um, mm, mm-hmm. because they've just flipped the Bajorans into being there. It's their chance to be cruel, which is why I liked the revenge angle. Um, and I think that the bringing that about makes the Bashir decision harder because Rugal at that point really doesn't have anywhere he belongs, which makes the ending sad on some level. Like there's no good right. option for him. And I don't know if they really nailed that down. And I think that those 10 minutes that we spent in the, the circle sitting in chairs at the very very end would have been better served to do it, um, to explore Rugal's thing. Because I think that, I think it's a really well-performed episode. There's a lot of mm. stuff I like in here. There's the, the it's not really related, but the uh, when Bashir walks in and interrupts Cisco talking to Dukat on the view screen, mm-hmm. Cisco has the great line about like, it's, don't apologize, it was the high point of my day, but don't ever do yeah. that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, O'Brien's racism is a nice callback where he is sitting down with the kid and the kid asks him what he th- what Ru- Rugal asks him what O'Brien personally thinks of the Cardassians. And, and O'Brien has to sort of come to terms with his own racism towards them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bashir and Garrick is always quality. The Even the O'Brien's Keiko, who's not a great actress, uh, her scene with O'Brien is pretty good where they're making dinner. I thought all the stuff then, with, the, do, with the O'Brien's was great. I, I, uh, yeah. With the O'Brien's and, and Rugal, I thought all that stuff was really good. Yeah, even the uh, when O'Brien's sitting down with his parents, who I think is called Pendar. I think the Cardassian mm-hmm. father's Pendar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, did what, what did you did you notice anything different, or am I just kind of uh, seeing things that aren't there in terms of the way that to me it it, it didn't feel 
I guess to specify, it did not feel like a TNG episode. And my disappointment mm-hmm. is when it started to turn into a TNG episode at the very end. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't really have anything to say contrary to that because yeah. that's pretty yeah. much the same way I feel. It, I think it shakes out about the same way. The only thing I'll say about the, the revenge thing, <clears throat> excuse me, um, are we sure I... Are we sure that the revenge angle, like that, the guy was, he was explaining that, that he, he thought that this family was, was being physically abusive to this kid, right? That's the implication I got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I was just thinking it, it makes it a little bit more gray if, if the revenge that he's implying is this, this self-hatred that they've instilled into him. Which is not necessarily something they did on purpose, but right. they like clearly they've gone out of their way to tell him that his race is a piece of is is garbage, yep. and that the Cardassians are awful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you could argue that that is a form of mental abuse. Yep. Like it's it's whether or not it's true, um, they are you know basically telling this kid to look in the mirror and then telling him that everything that he sees is, is awful and evil. Yeah. Um, and I think that would have been really fascinating to to get into as well. If you know, if this family is, by all accounts, just a normal family, like they've, he loves these these parents and they love him, but not every decision they're making is the right decision. Yeah. I mean, and it's 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 I should say not the right decision, but it's not every decision they're making about how they raise this kid is unbiased. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yeah. Um, that would have been something I would have been. Really uh, um, uh, interested to to see them dive into, and I, that makes the ending more complicated. Like, yeah, y- yeah. you you really get to a point where it's like, well, if you send him back to Cardassia, even the the father has been implying that there's no greater stain on his son than the fact that he was raised by the Bajorans on some level. So it's like he, no matter where Rugal ends up, he doesn't really end up in a good situation. And if you brought and, the, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and also, is don't don't, don't they. At the end, he, uh, Cisco's like, "So, are you going to tell anybody about this?" And he's like, "No." So, right. is he is he planning on not informing everyone that his son is not dead? It's a good question. Because wasn't that 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 was the big shame, right? As if they found out that his son actually wasn't had, wasn't dead and had just been abandoned on 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 Bajor. Yeah, I think it was more the abandoned part. So maybe they're saying you can bring him back, but as long as that's not the story that happened to him. I see. Okay. You could be okay with it. They'll have to take the Bajoran earring out of his ear. I think. And yeah. Everything like that. Even even still, I mean, I think that's that's why I wish we could have got to see more of Cisco's thought process and and how he was dealing with this stuff because. That is an entirely different angle to consider is what, you know, even though it might be the right thing to send him back to Cardassia on some level, I mean, he's not doing the kid any favors because he's got, you know, he's got this level of self-hatred plus the fact that he exists anymore is kind of going to make him a bit of a pariah to an extent yep. depending on how they decide yep. to t- say that he's alive. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a really uh uh as Ned Flanders would say it's a dilly of a pickle. It's a dilly of a pickle. I mean they yeah, and you know the, uh, one way to sort of swing it towards the Cardassians' favor would be if it did still have an impact on his father's political career. You know, it, yeah. so, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. So there's no real there's no downside to Pendar who comes out of this thing looking pretty good. He he survived Ducat's character assassination attempt he got his son back and everything seems to be coming up roses for him so 
let's talk about the um the episode's title is Cardassians uh, because we have the three different Cardassians who we're dealing with here. Um, what do you think of? In my opinion, this episode, my favorite one is still Chloe. <laughs> my, uh, in my opinion, this episode, a large part of the problem with the machination stuff is the fact that they're trying to reintroduce Garrick, and they want to establish the fact that Garrick and Dukat do not like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in Garrick's first appearance, we learned that he is the only Cardassian on the station. He's a tailor. And the rumor on the station is that he's a spy for the Cardassian government. Mm. So this episode doesn't really inform you of anything about that. It does inform you that he is not completely loyal to Cardassian governments on mm-hmm. some level because he is willing to screw over Dukat. Um but yeah, this is your first. Uh, uh, this is your first look at Garrick, I guess. Garrick is always a fan favorite on this show, uh, uh, the, for fans of the series in general, because he's um, different than a lot of the other characters, and he is always this kind of a characterization. So, what would you think of Garrick? Well, um, one of the things I in, one of the things I enjoy with this show <laughs> is um, seeing how, seeing how easy or difficult it is to spot the guest star through their makeup. And uh, this one was a tough one because it's a guy that I recognize, but I couldn't couldn't place him right away. It's the guy. Uh, he's a character actor who uh, he was the uh, he played the, the the bad guy in the first Dirty Harry movie. Uh, he was the dad in Hellraiser. Yeah, um, and he pops up in a bunch of stuff. He was in Cobra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I recognize um, him as the guy, the dad in Hellraiser. Andrew Robinson is his name. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's always like he's got this weird this very innate creepiness about him. <laughs> he's yes. like a really he's a really normal looking dude, but he's also really fucking creepy for some reason. Yep. And uh, that came across quite a bit when he starts doing that like wide eyed smile nodding head thing in this episode, which he does quite a bit. It's yep. very creepy. I think it goes it goes a long way to uh, um, building up a level of uh, not mistrust, but. Um, he looks he looks creepy enough that you don't uh, accept that he's a good guy. Sure. Right away. Yeah, right. Um but no, I I liked him. He's he's good. Uh I think him and uh he and Bashir have a bit of a um they have a bit of a challenge in front of them in this episode because 90% of what they do in this episode is basically running the search function yes. on a computer. Yeah, yeah. And but they still manage to make it work. Like I didn't usually that shit comes off as really boring and 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 just kind of like time fillery, but I didn't really feel that way in this one so much. And I I think I I think it's probably because I think uh the um, the interactions with with uh, Bashir and him were were good. I th- I think they work pretty well together. Yeah, I think that one thing that DS Nine does better than what TNG did is when they have sequences like that where they're basically just running through a computer record looking for something. Mm-hmm. They they do a better job of building the scene around that as opposed to just the characters looking at the computer waiting for the answer right. to pop out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they you know that one sprinkled in with the fact that. The scene built around that is the fact that Garrick has to go down to this Bajoran orphanage, basically. And there's mm-hmm. the, you get a little bit of the universe building of um, the discomfort of the Bajorans while he's there and his sort of um, 
not that he's naive, but his he he doesn't sort of play into that. He doesn't res- he doesn't respond to that emotional response to them when the woman says she was part of the underground. He says, "Really? Maybe we've met before." Yeah. Um, so I do- like the part. I like the part where uh, where they had to leave and they had to kind of ditch those kids too. That was, that what, was what's that your was good. what's your take on that? What's your take on what that scene was? I was wondering if I was reading too much into it, or if uh, if you thought that. How, how do you feel about Garrick's response to the girl who asks him to take her home? Um, it's it reminds me of um, this might be a, a bit of a stretch, but it reminds me of 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 kind of like a a Cold War kind of thing mm-hmm. where he is. He's sympathetic to to these kids, and and he really probably, if he had the option to do so, would probably save these kids. But he has to play by a certain set. Like that's not his mission right now. And his mission is to do is to find out, you know, a very specific set of information, and uh, doing something as flagrant as swiping sweeping up a bunch of uh, orphans would just put put too many ripples in the water. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. That's kind, of, that's, that's kind of the feeling I was getting from it. Uh, but also, he does also kind of come off as, like you were saying, a little bit like uh, he doesn't read the room super well. Yeah, I, I, that's interesting. And I, I say this not – I don't know, I don't have any information going forward about Garrick. Um, I read that scene – the first time I watched it, I read it the way that you did. And the second time I saw it, I read it more as – it's not the thing that Garrick is trying to accomplish, which is right. to get Ducat uh, to be done. So he is not particularly moved by them. Like he, he yeah, okay. I, I, I almost was wondering if Garrick would even help the kids in the long run. I, I felt that he thought that they were just kind of a byproduct of this thing that he was trying to accomplish in order to get his own end to meet uh, and to get Ducat uh, caught in his crosshair and everything. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. I think you know what I what I mean by the uh, my my previous description is not that he's like some sort of tortured superhero, right? But like there's there's you know he's got he's got the thing that he's gonna do, and and going outside of that that uh, that lane is just not it doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit him. It doesn't you know it's it's yeah it's he's focused on the thing he's focused on and. The other stuff is a is a sad byproduct that maybe if you know he ends up focused on that, then he'll do something. Yeah, then about he'll do it, something. But. Yeah, I think that 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 scene plays well because that is that's basically the way that Garrick will continue to be written. He's little, he's very enigmatic, um, and you do learn more about him and everything that's gone. But he is very. Uh, I think he has in this episode a couple of lines about his lies and things like that. And the, uh, you know, the de- he, everything is in the details to him. He has that uh, kind of nifty quote at the very end about look at the crumbs on the table. They're like details everywhere. And when you put them together, you can figure things out. Yeah, I was I was waiting for some sort of uh, Kaiser Soze postscript where Bashir like <laughs> all of a sudden sees everything that he had been mentioning the entire episode and it all comes together. He sees Rugal on the that... bottom of his cup, yeah, and it drops yeah. out of his shadows. Yeah, but th- that's that's pretty much it. And it just uh, the Ducats and Garrick thing is fine. I, th- I think they're all everything benefits by having good actors is something that star trek has told me and i think that mark alamo who plays ducat is excellent and andrew robinson i believe that's his name plays garrick are very strong Mm -hmm. uh, and they continue to be important to the series i think the best actor award goes to uh 
Cisco's sweet evening attire. Yes, yeah. That he answers the door in. <laughs> every captain, it's like, a, like a, it's like a space dashiki or something. Every captain answers the door with their arm up, as if they're waiting for an escort to arrive or something. Yeah, they, it's always, it's the same way. Like Dana Barrett opens, answers the door in Ghostbusters, where she's like kind of <laughs> leaning on it, <laughs> yeah. and her thing is just sort of like casually open. Yep, yep, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's dead sexy, no matter what the uh, what they say. I think that's um. I think it's pretty pretty much it. We talked about a good chunk of the episode. We're going to take a break. We'll read some patron thoughts, and then me and Clay give our final thoughts for the episode, Cardassians. But there's one more question I haven't figured out, Garak. Why did you want to expose Dukat? What's the truth about you and him? Truth, Doctor, is in the eye of the beholder. I never tell the truth because I don't believe there is such a thing. That's why... I prefer the straight-line simplicity of cutting cloth. So you're not going to tell me? But you don't need me to tell you, my friend. Just notice the details. They're scattered like crumbs all over this table we regularly share. Until next time. All right, guys. So if you support the show on patreon.com slash file, you get the chance to leave comments about upcoming episodes and they get read on the podcast. We'll do that now. We'll run through these. Holly McLaughlin writes, Cardassians, this one had a really interesting premise, but the ending made zero sense to me. What the fuck, Benjamin? If a child abuse allegations were backed up by evidence, why don't we see or hear anything about it? If they didn't, why in the name of sanity would a father who obviously loves his son very much turn around and take a child away from the only family he had ever known? Yeah, I mean, we touched we, we touched on this, right? It's I, I, I don't know if I'd say that it makes zero sense. It's really the fact that Cisco doesn't consider it at all, and we don't get a good sense of the the whether or not the show thinks this is a good idea that this has yeah. actually happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would agree. Um, yeah, I wish, I, like I said, you know, before, I wish they had gone into that more and and kind of uh, just gotten a little deeper because that was the to me the more uh, more engaging. Uh, aspect just realize just realize there's no jake in this episode which is odd right yeah it would be a good one for him to show up in just to have the one scene before cisco has to make his decision you have a jake and cisco where they're not necessarily talking about the decision but they're talking about something else that's tangential to it you know or uh symbolic yeah about like where to take a girl when you want right. you know get down <laughs> where to get how to get a hand job in quirks uh <laughs> sex parlors or whatever Joint Mango says, Cardassians, better than Rascals. I'd agree with that. I think it's much better than Rascals. Stephen Cobb writes, Cardassians, always enjoy more universe expansion, giving us further information about the occupation and the aftermath of it. Garrick is a pleasure. The increased display of his abilities and further questions raised regarding his loyalties help build future Garrick episodes. Ditto for Ducat. Do you have anything to say about that? No, I agree. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I did notice, man, the guy who plays Ducat is skinny he is yeah that one like when you see him like head on the flare of his like uh you know the shoulder pads neck neck thing (laughs) yeah the like neck web makes him look like he's got this really like broad physique but then if you look at him from the side he's just he's like a very 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 skinny man (laughs) yes um matthew ross right is that where yeah matthew ross writes cardassians i saw this episode in teen genie was called suddenly human Ah, the highlights to me were Garrick's condescension, but then knowing the series, how insidious is Dr. Bashir. Just some other thoughts. While the special Bajorans look like Lance Henriksen and Jeffrey Coombs combined, when Keiko <laughs> makes dinner, all I can think of is the dinner scene in Better Off Dead with French fries, French bread, and French dressing. The arrogance of assuming that wherever you go, the only thing you want is food from your background, and it's not even Bajoran French. 
Uh, yeah, that, that that's. I actually I was actually thinking about that too about how the, the um, <clears throat> Rugal is kind of like reverse Worf. Yeah, he, he's where, a he's the best version of the Worf character in some ways to me. Like yeah, his story. Yeah, but he is a reverse Worf. Where he you know he has no interest in anything re- related to his his uh, uh, home world. Uh, but people are still like, yeah, hey, you should try that. I mean, you're, you're going to love this, yeah, right? Yeah, you're, you're from... I mean, I was thinking Star Trek has a lot of characters like that. Spock is like that. Yeah. The fish out of water mm-hmm. character. Worf is that kind of a character. Uh, Data is that kind of a character. Mm-hmm. The like That's why I love that scene where, where the uh, Data goes to have dinner at the O'Brien's and Keiko serves him like uh, motor oil yeah, nuts and, and uh, <laughs> CPU chips. I think that... I think that you 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 made a good point. I think that you called the ending of this episode realistic. I think the Rugal characterization is the most realistic of that fish out of water situation. He is the he is the most violent of those characters, so it makes sense that his his outcome is like his uh the stuff that's been done to him is the most violent out of everybody else. But you know, Worf when you think about it, Worf's characterization doesn't really make a ton of sense because he was saved when he was like 3 years old. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not like he was a teenager who really knew anything about the Klingon Empire or something. Mm-hmm. It's his is much more of the assumption that because he's a Klingon, he would be interested in Klingon things. Yeah, I have a theory that if they did this episode on Star Trek Discovery, Rugal would be a uh, radicalized Cardassian terrorist. In ter- in, in terms of like. Uh... Like I think they would, I think they would play it backwards. I think it would be like he grew up on oh, Bajor, yeah, but then you know became, you know, the, he's d- like a, he's into, like a Western jihadi or something. Yeah, like that. basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, because you know that's because be that's negative. edgy. Yeah, that's it's negative right. and <laughs> negative and edgy <laughs> and not fun. <laughs> I don't think we. I don't think we can have the Cardassians in this. I'm just being uh, the nerdy outlook here. I don't know if that would no, actually work. No, no, I was just, I was just like, if they, t- if they tackled this concept yeah, on, on Discovery, that's how they would do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, did I have something to Although, say? Although, actually, this? Michael Burnham is kind of this character, isn't she? Burnham is that character, except they, yeah. don't, they don't seem to care about it whatsoever. Yeah, not any, not anymore. Yeah, yeah. so um, maybe they'll be fixed with bearded Sarek. But... Um, what the hell was I thinking? Oh, I, was the um, the O'Brien dinner scene right? Was that was the pushing of the plates where they clink? Was that too heavy handed, or was that was that beautiful? <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was kind of nice. Teeter. Yeah, towards, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty good. It's the yeah the symbolism of neither one of them like each other, but neither one likes the food. And when they push it away at the same time, they realize that they have more in common than they thought they did. Yeah, it's like how you really uh, relate to that that verse from Rapper's Delight where he talks about going to his friend's house and the food sucks. Yeah, like, yeah, man. <laughs> I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I like that scene. I thought that was that was good. Um, yeah, that was good. Let's see. Rugal has only ever really eaten Bajoran. Shouldn't she be making Bajoran Johnny Cakes? Dukat is clearly designed to be open and conniving, and you can see it a mile away. I do like Cisco's teardown of Bashir, because who said he could talk in their conversation? In the sarcasm, why not two runabouts? Well stated. My big... I- Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, you can finish, but I'll... Just one more sentence. uh, My biggest issue, Counselor O'Brien, when the hell did that training begin? And just being a father does not definitely make you an expert on rearing children, especially ones as damaged as Rugal. Listen, being a parent is the most difficult job 
It's in the world. It's literally true. Bending over to put DVDs into the DVD player. (laughs) Uh, No, I was going to say Bashir. They really give Bashir a lot of rope in this episode. For for a guy who's the doctor on a spaceship. A junior junior grade doctor, too. Yeah, he's going on. He's taking shuttle crafts. Why do they call it (laughs) runabout and not a shuttlecraft? Uh, they're bigger than shuttlecraft. Big, okay. they're, they're warp capable, I think, is the difference. Ah, yeah. But yeah, he's taking he's taking runabouts to different planets, and he's doing like background checks and just storming into diplomatic conversations <laughs> with yeah. uh, leaders of other planets to just shit talk them to their face. <laughs> he does. I, that's why, you know, it's. I, I feel like I agree that there was way too much in this episode because. I I, to- I really love the when Cisco chews him out the first time he interrupts right that's great. He Bashir does the same thing later when he breaks into the uh, A and A session and he says I have a few questions. Cisco gives him a look like like okay now's your time for redemption. There should have been another scene hinting at that a little bit. Like Bashir never gets the chance to prove himself right. Cisco just seems unwilling to really punish him as hard as he should. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's he's never also wrong. Bashir is never wrong, or Cisco's never yeah. Wrong? Bashir's never wrong. There's no, like he he's he vague never has he never really knows anything. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but he has never has one of those moments where he pulls that shit and then Ducat just like smacks him down with statistics sure. or something. You yeah. know, like and to the point where he turns to Cisco and Cisco's like, "Man, you just fucked up." <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think in a in a longer if you stretch it out, you'd have time to develop that characterization. But Bashir would learn a lesson somehow during this episode. Right. Um he doesn't really. He's just kind of he's enabling Garrick really is all he's doing. He's being Garrick's uh, way to he's Garrick's champion to get things done. Um and that's about it. Uh let's see here. I, I didn't mind the O'Brien uh, stuff as a parent. I think that's appropriate. I think that being a parent and dealing with the damaged kid would be better than not being a parent on some level. Like, I, I'd i rather have O'Brien talk to him than Bashir talk to the kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that I think that works. Uh, last person, Kyle Barrett, Cardassians. The scenes with Garrick are okay. I, okay, I guess, but everything else just doesn't work for me, particularly Dukat's master plan and the ending. Sending Rugal to Cardassia is the worst scenario for him, and yet they play it off like a happy ending. He'd be better off if uh, better off in if Starfleet had never gotten involved. Goddamn Bashir and his infinite dabbling. I would be down for a spin-off sitcom following O'Brien sharing his quarters with Rugal, though. He's there's racially charged comedy to be had. I, I, <laughs> the best the best kind of comedy. <laughs> this is definitely the uh, the year of racially charged comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything, Kyle. There, I don't uh, disagree. You know, I we, uh, we've been getting a lot of crap because we agree with each other too much so i disagree they, <laughs> um i think we're just it's you can't disagree when you're both right i guess right would be the problem <laughs> uh that's about it for patrons thank you guys thank you for writing in about that episode i disagree no thank you no thank you to anybody um let's see clay what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five uh i'll give it a three okay yeah, i think i thought it was pretty good yeah i was I was torn. I, I, I don't know if it's a four or three for me. Uh, I'll just try to hash it through in my mind here, I guess, because I really like the opening portion of it. I think it plays differently. I think it feels kind of unique. I could, I, just going by our definitions, I feel I could show this episode to somebody. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's a riveting episode. Um, I feel it's a little bit better than average, but I don't know if it's really all that great. And the last 10 minutes really drag everything down for me. I'm going to give it a, 
I'm going to give it a four, I think. I kind of liked it. It's a very weak four. Um, I, I'm glad it's not a first season episode. Otherwise, it would have been uh, the B story to the Rugal plot line would have been uh, that he has unleashed some sort of space virus when he bit Garrick. Yes, right. That yeah. they have to uh, uh, get rid of before it turns into a giant jellyfish and floats away. Yeah, the Bajorans are trying to send him back to Cardassia with a biological virus in yes. him. And he exposes <laughs> it to Garrick by biting him on the hand. Um, and it makes everybody really zany. Andrew Robinson does a a wonderful uh, impression of someone getting bit on the hand, though. He really he really <laughs> sold that screen to me. Um, Bashir has a weird line, too, where he's talking to the Dabo guy, and he's like, I've never seen a, a boy bite a man on the hand like that before. And it's like, <laughs> how many times? Or he says it's like the worst bo- case of a boy biting a man on the hand I've ever seen or something. It was like, how many times do you see this? Uh, I think that's it. I'm going to give it a four. Clay gives it a three. Cardassians, thank you very much, guys, for watching. Listening, uh, you can follow all the links to social media. They're all in the podcast blurbs and video descriptions. Uh, go to patreon.com slash the file if you want to support the show. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. We're going to be talking about face-off coming off this month. Um, Sweet. And let's see, anything else here? No, I don't think so. If you support the show on Patreon at the highest tier, we mention your name. Thank you, Stephen Cobb, Holly McLaughlin, Jay Stanley, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Magpie Nest Productions, Ben Douglas, Tax Bear, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Vincent Adolman, Tarek Latif, Rune Vendler, Bradley Killens. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. It's much appreciated. Um, anything else, Clay? Are we, are we done with this one, or do you have anything to say? No, just uh, if you happen to be passing by a comic book store on January 31st and feel like popping in to pick up yourself a copy of Redline from Oni Press, I'd be much obliged. Yep, you can do that if you don't want to uh, support the show in any other financial way. You can buy Clay's book. It's a good way to do it in a roundabout way. Very uh, much not for kids, though, so keep that in mind. Right, yeah. We're past Christmas, so don't don't uh, don't buy an early early Christmas present or anything like that for the kids. But yeah, very good. You can uh, get Redline. I think we're all done. Patreon, Facebook, Twitter, blah blah blah, all that stuff. And Discovery. We'll have talked about the episode eleven, I think, before this one came out. Hopefully, that one went well. Uh, but you'll you can check out our Discovery podcast, which came out Monday or Tuesday this past Monday or Tuesday. That's- as you'll re- as you'll remember, I thought it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if it what if it blows your mind? What if it changes everything? We'll look like idiots. Oh, well, nobody listens to this. Anymore. What are the odds? Guys, thank you very much for listening. I will see you next time.